Hey, Heat Nation! Welcome back to Heaters Gonna Heat, part of the OTG Podcast Network. Thank you for checking in this week, as always. I'm your host, Kyle Russell, here to chat a little about our favorite NBA team, the Miami Heat. And still staying positive, though it was a 1-2 last week, Miami coming off a two-game losing streak as of the time of recording. Not quite the best, but like I said, still staying positive. 1-2 week, still had a good win over the Cavaliers last Tuesday, a close loss to the Knicks last Thursday, and then just a game where it looked like Miami ran out of gas against the Bucks on Saturday. As usual, we'll go back through the last week, then in the middle segments, um, I'm just pretty much going to outline why I am fairly certain the Miami's going to make a move of some kind by the trade deadline this Thursday, and then as usual, we'll look ahead, uh, standings, injury watch, and next week's slate of games. So, starting with last week's games, we will go back to last Tuesday, where Miami won at Cleveland, beating them 100-97, a game where the Heat were pretty much healthy. They went nine deep, just no Highsmith minutes, so the usual starting five, plus uh, Oladipo, Vincent, Struess, and Orlando Robinson as the backup five, coming off the bench, no Highsmith minutes for this one. This has also been something we have typically seen in games that have a little more priority to them. Spo tends to cut out those Highsmith minutes. But overall, a great win for Miami, where they really had the shooting going for them. I I think that's what really tipped things in Miami's favor for that one. And again, getting a win over the team that's directly above you in the standings, is doubly important because then that means they get one added to their loss column, which shortens the gap uh, much quicker than just a normal win. But for the game itself, a game Miami fell down 11 about halfway through the first quarter, so off to a very bad start, which is starting to become a bit of a trend for Miami. But falling 11 down in the first half, uh, first half of the first quarter, eventually did tie it by the end of the first, so able to rally back from that 11-0 def- the hole to start out the game. Once we get into the second quarter, Bam comes alive to help Miami hold the lead throughout the second half of the second quarter, eventually going into halftime up three. Now, when the third quarter came out to start, Cavs started out on a 9-0 run to take the lead, but Miami responded with an 8-0 run of their own. Both teams are now about neck and neck. Heat unable to build any separation as the teams go into the fourth quarter tied at 79 after a Donovan Mitchell buzzer-beating three, which, given that the previous game before this was the Hornets game where Terry Rogier knocked down two buzzer-beaters that, that played into that loss to the Charlotte Hornets, a uh, little bit of bad memory, bad juju coming this one here with Donovan Mitchell uh, doing a bit of the same. But fourth quarter itself, the entire fourth quarter is back and forth until the very last minute. The Heat did build a five-point lead with about a minute 13 left and then just through some stupid errors managed to let the Cavs get back in, chip away at it. And what it ultimately came down to was Miami up 100-97, Donovan Mitchell getting a fairly good look from three that would have tied the game. Instead, it comes a little bit short, bounces off the rim. Miami walks away with the win against the Cavaliers. So just to say, like, that close to to go into overtime, then obviously who knows what happens once you get into overtime. 
But some quick takeaways from this game. First one, uh, Caleb Martin, phenomenal game for him. 18 points, 10 rebounds, got the double-double. One assist in there as well on 7 of 8 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3-point range. And then really doing a great job defending Cleveland's both their backcourt and the front court because Miami will typically run zone and when with Martin. And when they do, Martin typically goes into the top part of the zone where he is guarding those Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland's out there in those parts of the perimeter. So good job there. And then a good job banging inside, collecting those rebounds against what is a pretty large front court uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. So shout out Martin for a good performance. Now, next takeaway, Jimmy Butler, 23 points, one rebound, five assists, three steals, one block. Just did a good job of impacting every part of the game, as he usually does. Dropped 11 in the first that I didn't mention earlier to help get Miami back into that game. Again, they were in an 11-0 hole to start out in the first quarter, but managed to get back out of it. And then Jimmy Butler doing just enough from the free throw line at the end of the game itself to get the win. But the thing that the other thing that kind of stood out here from this performance was just Jimmy not quite looking as active, doing more of the gambling type where like, let me just go to poke the ball out. That's how he gets a bunch of the steals by just gambling at the right moment. But in terms of just defensive activity, rebounding activity and moving around on the court, like eye test wise looked looked a little off. Uh, and we'll come back to that uh, in the next game. And then last takeaway I have for this one here, Heat shooting uncharacteristically good from three, 14 of, from, of 31 from three-point range, which is in like mid-40s. So really great shooting for this Heat team, co- again, considering how abysmal they have been from deep all this year. And then conversely, the Cavs, much colder. I don't remember exactly what the, the metrics were. I know they were around like 24, 25% from three. I just don't what the volume was so just to say that uh, like I mentioned for this part earlier this could have been a really bad loss uh, if not for Miami's three-point shooting we'll take it when it happens and maybe this is a regression to the mean so Miami will have a little bit better three-point shooting luck throughout the rest of the season that would be great but just to say that it was a bit of a this was an aberration compared to where they have been so far this season hopefully it just becomes part of the trend going forward all right. After the Cavs game on Tuesday, Miami would continue their road trip going to the team that was just below them in the standings and giving them a bit of a break, losing to the New York Knicks 104 to 106 last Thursday. In a game that the Heat would be without Victor Oladipo due to uh, ankle injury, as well as Orlando Robinson. Uh, more to come on that as well. So, without your backup center in Orlando Robinson, the Heat actually did not go with Dwayne Denman, who was still there. Like, he was on the sidelines. I remember seeing him. Uh, instead, going with Udonis Haslam as the backup five, which I think should tell you everything you need to know about how this Heat organization feels about Denman. That Yurt's down, Orlando Robinson's down. At this point, they're going with the 20-year-old vet Udonis Haslam. I love him. But he's been in the league for 20 years. Uh, UD did solid, I will say, for, for his minutes, all things considered. But game itself now. Uh, Heat dug themselves a 13-point hole in the first before managing to close on a 7-0 run to make the deficit that they were in a little more manageable going into the second. As the second quarter itself uh, got underway, Heat chipping away throughout the entire second to eventually retake the lead. 
And then there's a bit of back and forth until the Heat are ultimately down three at the halftime. Uh, they were down five at the moment, but a bam buzzer beater brought the deficit down to three going into halftime. Pretty good, again, all things considered with the 13-point uh, hole to start out. As we get into the third quarter, Knicks opened up on an 11-0 run. Heat managed to hit four straight threes to kind of answer with a 12-2 run of their own. They did tie the game, but gave up some easy threes to close out the third quarter that allowed the Knicks to have the lead going into the fourth. Then the fourth quarter itself, Tyler Hero, 10 points, Bam Adebayo, 14 points, combining for 24 in the fourth quarter, powering Miami's offense, though the Knicks were doing just enough from offense themselves to keep the Heat at distance. Down the stretch... There were some bad execution plays by Miami. I think some bad turnovers, some missed opportunities, which has been a little uncharacteristic given how well this team has typically performed in those clutch, close situations as they have frequently found themselves in all season, so they have the most experience. So down the stretch, though, the Heat down two. They get the ball to Tyler. He's fading in the corner, gets the three up. The buzzer sounds... At this point, it either goes and Heat win the game or it bounces out and Heat lose. In this situation, it just went slightly front and to the left, bounces off the rim. Heat end up losing by two. Perfectly fine going with the win in that situation, all things considered. Again, overtime is by no means a guarantee. This just felt like one of those situations where Miami tried to repeat the script that's worked for them through most of the season. Just didn't work out tonight. Again, that that shot slightly off. Otherwise, this is an insane uh, comeback win for Miami. But moving on to takeaways. Uh, big ones here. Heat losing both the point and rebounding battles is very uncharacteristic of them. Losing the points in the paint battle, 36 to 52, and then the rebounding, 33 to 44. It's not typical that they have lost both of those, and I think it speaks to well, the Knicks did a really good job defensively of just locking down the paint, securing rebounds, and kind of beating Miami a little bit at some of their own strengths. Next takeaway, uh, Jimmy not looking right in this game. Finished with only 10 points, one rebound, two assists on 5 of 13 from the field, zero of one from the free throw line. Not getting any calls that night, which was doubly bad because he looked so hobbled out there that he was trying to draw fouls. And again, I've always made the distinction Jimmy Butler will literally throw his body into you to force you to draw a foul uh, versus how other players would just like hook or flop or whatever. I digress. The point here, though, was is he was not did not look healthy enough to just attack the rim on its own. He looked like he was just trying to draw fouls with a little bit of guile and toughness. And he wasn't getting the fouls, so it was doubly bad because at that point he's just taking bad shots and the Knicks are getting easy rebounds to go into transition. But conversely, I mean, Jimmy has just had a phenomenal load put onto him, not only this season but over the last few years as well. I can't get too bad on him for uh, an off game. For me, the main thing here for a takeaway was Jimmy's health being a little bit of a concern, uh, at least for the long term. And last takeaway, Kyle Lowry, who finished with a minus 17, and Caleb Martin, who finished with a minus 15. Those two looked even worse, and they did not play a minute in the fourth quarter, which to me starts to wonder if Miami maybe could be starting to rest those two a little bit. 
potentially for a trade because Lowry's now rumored on the trade block and Caleb Martin, like I mentioned earlier on previous pods, is something that other teams could value and want that contract going forward. But for this game, just not very effective, which is especially sad coming off of the Cavaliers game where he looked really good. But after the Knicks loss, we would the Heat would finish up their road trip last Saturday, losing to the Milwaukee Bucks, 115 to 123. Which can already tell you the defense was not quite there. But also a game the Heat would be without Victor Oladipo, Orlando Robinson, and Kyle Lowry as well uh, due to potential knee injury. And this also feeds into what I mentioned, where maybe the Heat were trying to pull Lowry to the side to keep him a little bit healthier in case there's a potential trade that goes on this week. Uh, but the Heat did actually play Dwayne Dedman instead of Udonis Haslam, and that at least got them to eight players versus the Bucks. As for the game itself, a third game now all last week, Miami got themselves into a double-digit hole, 12 points this time by the end of the first Though a decent close got them to uh, the deficit down to eight going into the second. In the second quarter itself, Tyler Hero came alive, dropping 12 points, including a buzzer-beating three to tie the game at halftime. A lot of buzzer-beating threes going on in Heat games over the last week or two. But, hey, at least it's in our favor this time. As we got into the third quarter, Jimmy Butler came alive, pouring in 17 points in the third quarter as the Heat kept pace with Milwaukee, only being down two going into the fourth. Then the fourth quarter itself, Milwaukee went to the Giannis-Middleton pick-and-roll combo and just bludgeoned Miami, combined 14 points between the two of them, and getting the Bucks enough separation that the Heat just couldn't make a game out of it. Like, they just kept them at that five, six, seven point distance, and Miami couldn't string anything together down the stretch. Not great. But, takeaways for the game now. Uh, Jimmy Butler bouncing back really well after what was a lackluster performance against the Knicks on Thursday. Finishing with 32 points, eight rebounds, three assists, one steal on 11 of 21 from the field, one of two from three, nine of 10 from the free throw line. Really had this jumper going and was going to that to do a lot of his damage against the Bucks, which on the one hand is is great because you know he had a fantastic performance. On the other hand, though, it still leaves that idea in the back of my mind of like, how healthy is Jimmy Butler? Because, like, again, I just look at the stats and I say, oh, Jimmy Butler had a great game. He must be fine. But if he's doing a lot of that damage because he just has the jumper going, that's not always translatable to the next game. And it could just be a situation where he's saying, hey, my jumper's going. I don't need to worry about attacking the rim as much tonight. I can take it easy on my legs. Still great, but does not assuage the feeling, the concerns I have for him long-term health-wise. Then other takeaways, uh, Caleb Martin, another bad game for him, unfortunately, finished with a minus 14, and though did a good job on the backcourt with like Drew Holiday and, and Chris Middleton, it was that front, that big front court with Giannis and Brooke where he really struggled on the defensive end. And granted, he did do a, a decent job uh, offensively, I think it was 17 points, but the problem is with when he's putting that much offense and he still finishes with a minus 14, it says how much is being given up on the defensive end as well. And then last takeaway I have for this is a little bit of a tip of the hat to the Milwaukee Bucks themselves. The Bucks have been on a tear since they got Middleton back. With that win over Miami, that puts them on a seven-game win streak. 
And then Chris Middleton himself dropping 24 points off the bench on Miami. So Middleton doing some damage. Bucks on a roll. Sometimes you just walk in front of a freight train and you get a hit by it. But overall, it's a one and two week for Miami, getting them to 29 and 25 overall to this point in the season. And from this Eastern road trip, pretty bad. It's a one and three road trip with a big loss to the Hornets to start. One good win against the Cavs, but close loss to the Knicks that that gets them closer to taking your sixth seed and then losing to the Bucks just just kind of stinks and now perpetuates uh, a losing streak. But that wraps up last week's games. Let's move on a little bit and just talk about the upcoming trade deadline. So I've already done the list of trade targets for Miami a few weeks back. It was pretty much just a list of power forwards that I think could help improve the Heat's odds. Today, I wanted to just, like the title of the episode says, ask the question, will the Heat make a move by the trade deadline? Well, not to bury the lead, I would say yes, unless there's just absolutely no deal that exists whatsoever and nobody wants to trade with Miami. Because again, trades always require two teams. I've said that plenty. But will will the Heat, or do they have any attention to? Yeah, hundred at this point, I would say 100% the Heat want to make a move of some kind to, to at least shuffle up the roster a bit and to see if they can get something to spark because you look over the course of the season now to this point and the script for Miami I mean last week kind of exemplified it right every single game they got into holes every single game they grind and chip away and just scrounge their way back into the game and then it ends up just being super close down the stretch, and it just comes down to the Heat hoping they can out-execute the other team. That can work against, you know, sometimes like your Clevelands that are still a little bit young, and that and that's worked plenty against other teams uh, throughout January especially. But sometimes it doesn't work your way. Look back to the Knicks. Look back to the Bucks, Especially against a Bucks team that, like, really did a good job of holding... You, the heat at a distance in the fourth quarter and that's the kind of team you're going to be playing in the playoffs you're going to be playing a good team that knows how to execute and knows how to keep a team like Miami from getting back into the game so yeah really at this point having to grind out every single win it I just do not see it as sustainable even to the end of the season let alone in the playoffs because, like, for example, just, just look at the toll that it's taking on the team as well, right? Jimmy Butler is really looking hobbled. He's his, As usual, he's gotten his little injuries here and there throughout the season. Difference being, though, is kind of like uh, in the second Jimmy year, we're really relying on him to not rest for the play- and save everything for the playoffs where he can go playoff Jimmy Butler mode. We're needing him to do it now. And then it's just going to be the question of if he's going to have anything left in the tank, even by the end of this season. Again, I point to the last week's games. Cavs did not look too great, so effective though. Knicks, definitely not effective. Bucks, very effective, but he also had his jumper going that night. So I'm a little dubious uh, as to the long term, like whether or not that means he's really turned the corner towards healthy. So if at the very least you can make a trade to get in a power forward 
and make Jimmy's job a little bit easier. He doesn't have to bang up against so many big players or whatever, and he could be healthier. That's worth it right there. But then you look out uh, to other parts of the roster as well, right? Bam and Tyler have taken steps forward, which is great. That's phenomenal. That's It was part of what we were betting on going into this season with bringing back most of the roster. You said, hey, Bam's still young. Tyler's still young. They have room to grow. Congratulations. They have grown a bit this year. The problem there is from there is how the starting for, power forward spot has taken a step back going from P.J. Tucker to Caleb Martin. Again, no disrespect to Caleb Martin. I just think it's a size problem. I think he's a quality starting three, just not a quality starting four. Miami has a, a starting three in Jimmy Butler. Therefore, I think Caleb Martin is at his best coming off the bench, backing up Jimmy Butler. So that spot took a step back from last year. And then it looks like Kyle Lowry, whether it's the heavy minutes from the earlier on in the season or he's just getting up there in age, Father Time remains undefeated. Uh, Lowry has been especially bad over these last few weeks. And I, I've said over and over, those heavy minutes he played early in the season got him a lot of leeway with me. But we're we're reaching the... Actually, I, th- I would say at this point, we're about past the inflection point where, all right, man, you, you had a bunch of weeks, a bunch of games off in December and January, and now he's getting to the point that despite all that rest... He's not playing in fourth quarters. And if he's not playing in fourth quarters, that means he's not closing. And if he's not closing, why is Miami paying $20-plus million for somebody to sit on the bench during the closing minutes? I don't know. Maybe there's a perfect world where Kyle Lowry's body just stays as healthy as can be, and he's productive and can play in fourth quarters, and everything is nice just does not seem like we're in that world this year. But I do still think Kyle Lowry is serviceable enough that with a good healthy guard rotation that can keep his minutes low and an upcoming all-star break to hopefully get his body completely right, that Lowry could still be productive for the Heat for the rest of the season. That's why I think the priority is still upgrading the power forward spot. But that starting point guard spot, uh, the problems that could arise there, there's that's looming. So, yeah, point there was, you look at the roster overall, it, it screams, I think, for a trade whether that ideally you keep Martin and you move him to the bench, and then he's part of your eight-man playoff rotation. And if you can move on from Lowry with that as well, maybe get at least a, a starting quality point guard back or something, sure, maybe you look into exploring that trade as well, but... A priority for me just remains the power forward spot. I do not think the Heat can afford to go past the trade deadline on Thursday without trying to improve the starting four. So then we look a little bit beyond that as well and just a quick look into the league as a whole as we start to approach the trade deadline. Big thing that comes to mind that's relevant for Miami is the league-altering move of Kyrie Irving getting traded to the Dallas Mavericks, mainly because... This leaves the Brooklyn Nets in a bit of a more vulnerable situation. The word right now is that they want to keep retooling around Kevin Durant, which I think is fair. I don't think you want to try to move KD in the middle of a season. At least take a swing at it, and you can trade him in the offseason. Teams will still want him. But I mentioned that mainly to say that if Nets are in flux and they come out on the other side of this looking worse for the wear, like if this ends up being the only major move they make, 
there's the possibility that they could continue to slip a little bit. And if Miami can get a trade for, like I said, a better starting four, they could capitalize and instead move themselves up into the 4-5 range, which could get them home court in the first round. So to say that there's an opportunity should Miami make the right move to pounce on it. Uh, and then just looking historically at Miami, they have, in these situations, they have always made a move in the Jimmy Butler era. You look at the first two years, they made the move for Jay Crowder as an upgrade at the, at the starting four. Following season, when everything was going sideways, they at least made the trade to get Trevor Reza, and that helped plug up the four for the regular season. Um, and then we, we know that kind of fell apart in the playoffs. They did not make that kind of move last year. However, they've already set with P.J. Tucker. So just going off of the historical precedent again, I also say they make a move for, for a power forward at this trade deadline one way or another. Even if it's just, just a John Collins. I would take a John Collins th- just so that way it takes Duncan's bad money and at least turns it into bad money that's doing something on the court. Uh, and it would at least shake things up. And who knows, maybe we could get a little bit more out of him that. Like, I still think maybe my ideal target would be P.J. Washington or Jeremy Grant, but I again, like, just please get me somebody that, that can get Caleb to the bench, keep his body right, and give a Bam a bigger front court partner for him to work with. Which, also a good segue to finish up the, the last little bit for this part. Before we move on, uh, Bam made it to the All-Star game. He was selected as a reserve, so props to Bam Adebayo, two-time All-Star now, very deserving after taking a great step forward this year. And now looping back to the original subject, uh, just will Miami make a trade? Yes. Like I, like I mentioned, like historically they would, the opportunities there, the roster is screaming for a change. It would look disastrous for this roster to stay the same after this Thursday. And the Heat typically are good at avoiding disastrous things, so keep your eyes peeled. It may come down to the very last minute on Thursday, as has happened before, but I feel confident they're going to do something. Moving on and to finish up this episode, as usual, let's take a look at the standings. So again, we'll focus on teams that are just around Miami. We don't need to go through the whole standings. So for this one... Four games ahead of Miami and four games behind Miami. So, uh, four games ahead of Miami would be fourth place, the Brooklyn Nets. Currently 5-5 five five in their last 10, four games ahead of Miami. Again, I just bring that up because they're in a little bit of flux right now. Who knows, maybe there's an opportunity for Miami to take advantage. After that, fifth seed, Cavs, still three and a half games ahead of Miami because of that two-game lo- uh, losing streak they're currently on. The Cavs continually to be just 5-5 five and five in their last 10. They've been 5-5 five and five in the last 10, I want to say, for like a month now. Heat, 6th place still, 5-5 five and five in their last 10, started to slip a little bit after what was an insanely good January uh, record-wise for Miami. 7th place, the Knicks, only a half game behind Miami. That lost in the Knicks last Thursday helped them uh, shorten the gap a little bit. Though they are 4-6 and six in their last 10, so... Miami still with the lead and hopefully with the next three games that they have against the Knicks uh, over the course of the rest of the season can get some separation away from them and the play-in tournament alongside with it. Eighth place, the Hawks, two games behind Miami, also 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Hawks just staying about as middle of the road <laughs> as is possible. There was some been some really good statistics 
about how dead even they've been this season. Uh, ninth place, the Bulls, three games behind Miami, six and four in their last ten. And then tenth place, the Wizards, four games back of Miami, also six and four in their last ten. So you look at the range again, four games ahead of Miami, four games behind Miami. You have the Nets uh, at fourth, four games ahead, and then you have the Wizards at tenth, four games behind. So a lot of room for Miami to fall, need some things to break right to move ahead. Moving on from the standings, looking at injuries. So far, there's been no update on Nikola Jovic. Again, that was last mentioned early January, uh, out with the back for what was going to be four weeks. Been no update since. We've been past that four-week mark. And then Omir Yurt7, last week updated to, I think it was a contact play. His ankle was fine. He was getting back to court work. So it could still be late February if he's still on Miami's roster. But like I mentioned, that could also be you know, trying to dangle him out there like, hey, do you want to trade for this guy? He's almost healthy and ready to play for you. Orlando Robinson is the big injury from last week. Sustained a fractured right thumb, expected to miss several weeks, though there has been no official timetable. Now, obviously, that's bad because the whole thing with Orlando Robinson has been he's been the backup five since Dwayne Dedman has fallen out of the rotation. And since falling out, we saw the Heat try Udonis Haslam, on Friday in a game that they lost. Oh, sorry, Thursday in a game that they lost. And then they tried Dwayne Dedman Saturday in a game that they lost. So are they going to be able to find production out of the backup five with Orlando Robinson's injury until he's back? Well, now that's a question. Uh, then Duncan Robinson may be close to returning. He was updated to just being ruled out Saturday. He was supposed to come back around now as well. Nothing official, though that could also be one of those, hey, Let's keep Duncan healthy. Don't put him out there and risk him getting injured if we may potentially trade him because he's got a big salary. And then Oladipo, ankle that had him out Friday, uh, sorry, Thursday and Saturday. Uh, hopefully not a long-term injury, but we'll have to see on that. And then uh, Jamal Kane and Kyle Lowry currently listed day-to-day. Uh, nothing additional beyond that. So, you know, little starting to get back into the more injured side of things. But this is also the time of the year where players will be held out uh, to, in preparation of the trade deadline if they're going to potentially trade those players. So maybe we take a look at this again next week and see, for lack of a better phrase, who's really injured. All right, moving on to next week's slate of games. Miami will have a two-game homestand, then a quick trip up the uh, Florida Turnpike to the Orlando Magic for a road back-to-back. Not fun. And then they'll come back home uh, by the time we get onto the games for next week. So only three games this week. Uh, First, they will host the Indiana Pacers on Wednesday. This is a Pacers team that's currently 11th in the East, 25-30 overall, 2 of 8 in their last 10, in large part because of the loss of their also now all-star Tyrese Halliburton, though he has just come back within the last few games. This will be the last game of a four-game season series with the Pacers. Pacers currently up 1-2 with a close win um, that was early on in the season in early November. The absolute rock fight that Miami won in mid-December and then the third game, uh, Tyrese Halliburton goes off for, I think it was like 40-41 late December that uh, got the Pacers the second win. So against a team that could be around where Miami ends up being, picking up this win and preventing the tiebreaker would definitely be important. 
already went over Heat's injury stuff. For the Pacers on their injury report, Tyrese Halliburton is listed back. Pacers are pretty much healthy, which is a little bit scary for Miami. Uh, for the game notes itself, I'm expecting this Pacers team to make a push now that they have Halliburton back. This would be a very good game for Caleb Martin or Victor Oladipo to come back and really show their stuff defensively by defending Halliburton and trying to limit the damage he did to them in the last game that the Heat played against the Pacers. And then also in the front court, uh, Bam Adebayo versus Myers turn Miles Turner for the center battle. Always good to see. I, I like seeing those two get, go against each other. And again, a good opportunity for Bam to continue to show he's taken a step forward and can deal with these more bigger, bruising center types like Turner. At this point, though, these teams are pretty familiar with each other. They've Again, this is the fourth game of a best-of-four series. So I expect this to be a close game. I lean a little bit towards Miami in that situation because, uh, again, because of the track record in general, they're good in close games. They know how to out-execute a lot of teams. But I can't say with any certainty Miami takes this one. I just really hope it. After the Pacers on Wednesday, they, there will be the trade deadline on Thursday. So Wednesday would be the last opportunity for any of these players to to try to make their pitch towards Miami. Thursday is the trade deadline. And then Friday will be the first game post-trade deadline hosting the Houston Rockets. So if any players get traded to Miami, there is a chance maybe that they play in that Rockets game. Probably the following game against the Magic on Saturday might be the better one. Or maybe they just wait until the following Monday when uh, it's at home. Well, we'll see. But Rockets team, 15th in the West currently, 13-40 and 40 overall record, 3-7 of seven in their last 10. This will be the last of a two-game season series. They're a Western Conference team. You only play two games against them. Heat are up 1-0 after the only other game they played at Houston mid-December. That was the game Tyler Hero went off for 41 points. And we got really, really hopeful for Tyler Hero until the Brooklyn Nets injury looks like it might have derailed at least part of his season. Though he is starting to get get back into the swing of things. For the Rockets injury report, Kevin Porter Jr. was listed out Monday. Uh, he has missed this last several weeks with a toe contusion, so he might come back in time for Friday's game. However, even if he does, there's a chance that he has a good bit of, of rust on him. Miami maybe can take advantage of that. I mean, in general, though, this is a Rockets team that is not very great. Again, 13-40 overall record. They are tanking hard for Wimby. And like I mentioned with the Hornets, uh, even though that ended up coming back to bite them, if this is a tanking team, you help them tank. You beat them up. You don't give them an excuse to play anybody in the fourth quarter. And you walk away with your win. Really, for the Rockets, I think it's about guarding Jalen Green. After that, you should be good. This should be the count-on win for the week. The Rockets want to lose. The Heat want to win. Let's not make it any more complicated than that, please. Especially considering that the Heat will then turn around Friday night, get on a bus or a plane or whatever. I don't know. I guess it might actually be quicker by bus. But they just have to go up to Orlando to play the Magic the following day, Saturday. This is a Magic team that's currently 13th in the East, 22-32 and 32 overall record, 6-4 and four in their last 10. This will be the second of a four-game season series against the Magic. They're in our division. We play them four times always. The Heat are up 1-0 after a very tough close win against the Magic uh, late January, where and it, which was a game that the Magic 
for the most part, was leading, and then Miami had to do what they normally do, get the game close, and then just out-execute down the stretch. Uh, this will also be the last game Mo Bamba will be suspended due to an altercation with the Timberwolves last Friday, so the Magic will also be without Mo Bamba. The Magic, though, for their, for their advantage, will have a rest advantage as they'll have Friday off while Miami is playing. So we'll be on the second night of the back-to-back. The Magic will not. And then, in addition, Magic have that really up-and-coming wing, tough wing combo with uh, Paolo Banchero and Franz Wagner. So we saw them give Miami some fits in the last game. Expect them to give Miami fits again this game. But really for this one, Orlando is a young team, very hungry to make the play-in. I don't expect them to roll over. I, I think they are playing better than their record as well. I said that previously i still stand by it now so between that and then also the rest advantage they'll have on miami as well this could be a game that miami drops i wouldn't be surprised uh if they did so for this week really it's trying to capitalize on the rockets try to capitalize on the pace of the Halliburton just coming back and then see what you get out of the magic on saturday then the Heat will host the Nuggets next Monday, but we will cover that on next week's pod. So obviously next week we'll be discussing the after effects of the trade deadline, whatever Miami does or doesn't move. Was it good? Was it bad? Um, and then our usual talk a bunch about <laughs> the games as we approach the All-Star break. But I do thank you for hanging around as always. That'll be all for this episode. Please, if you can, follow the pod at Heaters Heating and myself at Kyle underscore B underscore Russell. Also, check out the other great pods we have off of Twitter at OTG Basketball. Links for everything, as always, in the show notes. I'll be back next week. Until then, I hope you all have a good one. Heat Nation.